I'm highly honored to be here today and be invited to speak. And because of the fact there's so many able gospel preachers in the assembly, I'm nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yes, I stole that from somebody. Jesse's kind of bossy this morning. He told us all to sit over here together. And then when it was time for him to mind, for me to come, he said, you can come on up. He's still directing traffic, isn't he? But brother, you did a great job leading the singing just like you always have. And I treasure, this is why I shouldn't be reminiscing. <clears throat> I treasure those moments in those Sunday afternoon training classes that I did not want to come to. But my mother and daddy made me come. And I spoke on faith, Jesse, that first talk I ever made. I imagine mother wrote it for me, but still, it's been a long, long, long time ago. I want to share one experience with you, and then I'll get to the lesson. Years ago, I was holding a meeting here at Panama Street, and I was grateful for the privilege. And I had decided one night that I was going to preach Brother X. Turner's sermon on identifying the New Testament church. Most of you fellows have preached that sermon at least one time, or if not more. So I decided I was going to preach that sermon that night. And just before the worship began, the time began, I, I was up here and I looked back and about where Brother Miller's sitting was sitting Rex A. Turner Sr. Well, my kneecaps started jumping up and down and I walked back and <clears throat> I said, Brother Turner, I'm, go I'm going to preach your sermon tonight. You might as well just go on home. <laughs> he said, no, I'll stay and see how you've improved on it. He was always an encourager. He told me one time, Brother Paul, you're a good man. There's just no demand for good men. And if you all have never heard that, uh, you missed out on a treat. We live just across the street on Ann Street. In fact, I was reminiscing a moment ago. Y'all lived next door to Ed Holt, and the Reagans lived across the street from them, and then the Peaks across the corner, and then we lived in the next house, and then Brother Burroughs, uh, his wife lived there, and then the Mears were the next one, the Crows were the next house, and then uh, Tommy Ingram's grandparents were next, and about two more down was Coleman and, and uh, Marion Boyd, and I can't go any farther than that. But isn't it amazing how your memory comes back and you just think about all those experiences? This morning I would like for us to consider a subject that I really need myself. And when I get into it, you'll probably say, well, he's not the only one. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, God's word says, trust in Jehovah with all thy heart and lean not upon thine own understanding. This is our text and our topic is trust God. Today in this world, if somebody says, trust me, you can almost count on not being able to trust them. Now there are exceptions, I realize. But the guy that says, trust me, this is a great car, you need to buy it, you know then automatically you just red flags need to go up and you need to think, do I need to trust them or not? 
One thing I love about being married to Miss Gladys is that I've always been able to trust her completely. Somebody asked me one time when I made that bold statement, what if she was downtown and in a restaurant and sitting at a table with a man and you saw her? I'd say, I said, well, one of two or three things are possible. Number one, that's a friend of hers or a relative or something, or it's a fellow worker and they're having lunch together, or she's trying to help somebody that needs help. I still believe that. I never would have had a doubt. Trust is a very valuable possession. God is God and we all believe in God and we all know that he is the creator of all things and he is the judge of all men and we know that he's promised to take care of us, but sometimes we kind of begin to lose our trust in him, don't we? Sometimes when things are not going quite like we want, we think, Lord, is this what ought to be? Or, and we're like the prophets. They question God. God, why are you letting these people punish us? Well, they should have known they're the ones that made the mistakes. And so trust in God is a vital part of our Christian living. Trust means to depend upon, to set one's hope and confidence in, and to take refuge in. Trust is, is believing that God cares about us completely and explicitly and all of those other big words. In the phrase, with all your heart, implies total reliance upon God, wholehearted trust. This is our assurance that God regards us to the utmost, is interested in our well-being, will provide our needs and will guide us. Look in the next verse, verse six. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Interestingly, the word acknowledge here is kind of a synonym of trust. To recognize God, to know his power and his ability, and it's, they're very closely related. But it says, then he will straighten our paths or direct our paths, the American Standard says. Interestingly, this word, when it's translated into the Greek, the word for direct our paths, and I practice this, guys, you Greek scholars, just you can laugh at me later if you want. Orthotomeo, our word, Orthopedics comes from this word where the idea of straightening. And when he says, if you will trust in God and acknowledge him, he's going to straighten your way. He's going to make everything work to your advantage. You know what I think about is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and them that are called according to his purpose. One of the most favorite passages of scripture uh, among us probably is Psalm 23. If we were to take a show of hands, how many is that, is, of that is your favorite passage? About half of us at least would probably pick that one. You may have another one. This is a favorite of a lot of people. If you ever think about all he says in that Psalm about trust, maybe he doesn't come right out and just say the word trust, but look at it just again. A minute with me. You've got it memorized probably, but look at it. Jehovah is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's trust. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's trust. He leads me, guides me by still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. We follow that guidance. That's trust. And on and on we could go. There's a sermon right there on trust in that 23rd Psalm. So vital that we understand what it is to trust God. You're not going to be able to sleep well at night if you don't trust God. You're going to struggle with dealings with others in your life if you don't fully and completely trust God. And when I said that about not sleeping well at night, I'm not talking about you old people who have trouble sleeping at night. I'm talking about your heart being free and clear so when you pillow your head at night, you can go and sleep soundly. I want to give some reasons now. This is going to be one of those simple lessons. We're going to have what it is, why we do it, and then give some examples, and then we'll be done. So stay with me. Reason number one, go back in Psalms now if you're not already there, and we're going to look at a couple of verses of Scripture. Psalm chapter 4, verse 5. If I've written down the right verse, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in Jehovah. Then go on over quickly to chapter 37, Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, verse 3, he says, Trust in Jehovah and do good. In verse 5, he says, Commit thy way unto Jehovah. Trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. So reason number one is trust. Trusting God is enjoined. It is uh, commanded. Now, when God says, trust me, you can count on it. Now, not always with men, as we pointed out a while ago. Note also in these verses, trust in the Lord is connected with offering sacrifices in righteousness. It's also connected to doing good. There's a definite connection between our trust in God. If we're doing deeds of righteousness, offering sacrifices in righteousness, our worship in righteousness, and we're doing good, then we are more able to trust. Our trust in God will be strengthened. Number two reason, God made a promise, and it's repeated in Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Again, that ought to be in our memory, and we ought to repeat that daily. We also have a, a third reason. I believe this is a vital reason. It's the promise of blessing. In Psalm 84, go with me to Psalm 84, if you would. Look down at verse 12, last verse in the chapter. Psalm 84, verse 12. O Jehovah of hosts, blessed or happy is the man that trusteth in thee. We can count on God to bless us just as he has promised. We can know if we will trust in him, his blessings will be upon us. Then in Jeremiah 17 and verse 7, he said, Blessed is the man that trusteth in Jehovah and whose trust Jehovah is. We could go on and on about that verse, but let's suffice it to say that blessings from God are for those who trust in God. Number four reason to trust. Because in Jehovah, 
is an everlasting rock or strength. Isaiah 26, verse 4. He is our rock of ages. Ever hear that expression? This is where it comes from. Our God is our everlasting refuge, our rock, our strength. Because of that, we should trust in Almighty God. Then in Psalm 31, verse 19, God's goodness is provided for those who trust in Him. God's goodness is accomplished, one translation says, for those who fear God and take refuge or trust in God. Mercy and loving kindness and steadfast love will surround us, will compass us about if we trust in God, Psalm 32, verse 10. And then one more, one more reason, and this is a, a good one, as they say. Jeremiah 10, 23 gives us a very, very important reason to trust God, and that is, it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. Now, these are simple reasons, and yet they are more than enough for me to convince you, I'm sure if your heart's right with God, to trust in Him. It's commanded of us. God's promised He'll never leave us or forsake us. There's blessings for those who trust God. He is our rock and our strength. His goodness is provided. His love compasses about when we trust Him. And we know that we can't do it on our own. God is necessary and we need to trust in Him and not rely upon ourselves. Now some examples. And there's a whole batch of them and I could give a, I'm just going to have to narrow it down, you understand. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 43, as I was reading and preparing, I came along across a statement that really caught my eye. On the day of Christ's crucifixion, he's hanging on the cross. The chief priests with the scribes and the elders who wanted him crucified, trying to get rid of him, did everything they could and accomplished their mission. He's now suspended between heaven and earth in pain and agony, and they are mocking him and, and saying, let him come down from the cross. And then verse 43, he trusted in God. I would like to have been able to stand there and say, you got that right. He did trust in God. And there are numerous occasions when that's quite evident. None any greater than on that night when he is about to be crucified and he's pleading with God if there's any other possible way that this can be done, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. I submit to you, Father. I, I'm begging, I'm pleading with all I've got. But if it's your will that I die, then I trust you. And he bowed himself before the Father. The Apostle Paul he made this statement in 1 Timothy 4.10. One of the motivations for his conduct and his living the life he did and doing things he did, teaching things he did, because we trust in the living God, 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. So Paul trusted in God, and we can see that from many, many illustrations in 
actions in his life. Now I want to go back to the Old Testament. This is my favorite part of the sermon, and I couldn't wait to get here. Noah was a man of faith. I'm going to talk about Abraham in a minute, and you're going to say, well, he was a man of faith too. And I'm going to tell you there ain't a whole lot of difference between faith and trust. One way to put it is we trust with faith, or we show our trust in our faith. Now, Noah, this is, this is just an absolutely wonderful story. I know it's great for the kids. They think about the ark and the, the floods and all the exciting and the animals coming into the ark. All that's good. But here is Noah. And we're not going to read all these verses. You can go back and read Genesis 6 sometime and get the gist of the story. But here's Noah. And God tells him to build a big boat. We just went up to northern Kentucky and saw the ark encounter. And what an amazing and impressive thing. Just stunning experience for me. I just can't tell. If you haven't been and you can, you ought to go see that. It's just an impressive Thing. Anyway, here's God saying, Noah, I want you to build this, what he called an ark. He told him how to build it. Told him what to build it of. And now, God says, and I'm going to destroy the earth with floods. And brethren, it had never rained a day all this time. Noah had been living, what is it, 600 years when this guy came around? Noah had been around for hundreds of years, never seen a drop of rain, and yet he is building an ark because God said do it. Is that trust? Man, if that's not trust, I don't know what trust is. I, in fact, I'm trying to put myself in his place. I don't, even though I may be trying to live a righteous life, and he found favor in the eyes of Jehovah, and he did all that Jehovah commanded him, I'm still trying to put myself in Noah's place and say, Lord, I can't imagine what you're saying is going to happen. But he didn't do that. Evidently, he just said, I trust him. I'm going to do it. So Noah's a great example of trust, isn't he? One of the best there is. And then Abraham. I know Abraham was a man of faith. No question about that. No debate. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 Acts 7, verses 2 and 3, where Stephen's recounting the experience. Noah, I'm, excuse me, Abraham, by the way, it reminds me of James Watkins. Uh, one time he said, well, well, I had Moses in the ark that day. He was telling the story and, and said Moses instead of Noah. And I would, excuse me, time out for a little humor there. But Brother, uh, Brother Watkins was a good friend and, and he had a good sense of humor about himself. So anyway. As we say in L.A., meanwhile, back at the ranch, let's go to Abraham. God says, come out of Ur of Chaldees. Leave your familiar surroundings. Leave family. And I'm going to go and send you, take you to a place where you've never been before and you've never seen before. You don't think Abraham didn't trust God? That's obvious that he did. It's obvious that he did. Now, I know his faith waned, his, his trust waned a bit when about Isaac and him going to father a child when he's too old to father a child, and I understand that. And yet, a little later on, Isaac's grown. God said Isaac is the one 
through whom the world's going to be blessed and he's your descendant. He's your son. Abraham trusted in God. But I believe the supreme evidence of Abraham's trust is in Genesis 22 when God tested his faith, tested his faith and trust to the utmost and said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And he went through with it. He went all the way to having a knife in his hand and, and Isaac strapped to the altar. Let's just time a confession for Paul, for me, excuse me. I couldn't have done that. I, I'd, I'd have disappointed God and, and not, not had the faith to do it. I just don't believe I would have done that. I can't imagine doing that. I love my only forgotten son, as I jokingly call him. And I can't imagine killing him and sacrificing him to God. Can't imagine God asking that of me. And yet, Abraham trusted God completely. Just amazing. What an example. I'm not going to have time for all of this. Take my word for it. Hezekiah was a great example of trust. Let's just look at a couple of verses in 2 Kings. We'll do it quickly and almost painlessly. 2 Kings verse, chapter 18. Look at verse 5. Let me get to 2 Kings instead of 1 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. I'm getting there. Y'all are probably beating me to it. 2 Kings 18, 5. He trusted in Jehovah. Enough said. There's a lot going on here. The captivity of Israel is taking place. Shalmaneser has done uh, run over Samaria and taken them into uh, Assyrian captivity and never to return, as Brother Turner used to say all the time. And then the uh, Sennacherib comes along. He's threatening Judah. And he sends Rabshakeh out and he makes that defiant speech. And what you, one of the most interesting things he says in his speech to uh, the representatives of Hezekiah is, Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in Jehovah. That's in verse 30. Think about it. They knew if they trusted in God, they'd be okay. And he said, don't let them do that. Don't let, them, don't let Hezekiah talk you into trusting in God. Well, Jehoshaphat was a great uh, example, and I'll not go there, but uh, go back and read sometime, 2 Chronicles 20. Read about Jehoshaphat. Asa... Jehoshaphat, uh, who else? Hezekiah, Josiah were all the great reformers uh, in the kingdom of Judah. Great men. One more example. Two more examples. Four more examples. <laughs> Daniel trusted God. You know Daniel. You know the story. Where do you start? I think you start Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. The reason I say that, he was taken captive. He was of the seed royal. He was going to be uh, brought in and serve the king. He was one of those youths with no blemish, well-favored, skillful, and so on and so forth. And they get down to the point where the king has appointed 
that, they, that these people be provided with the best of things to eat. And, and uh, Daniel says, no, just give us vegetables. Well, I'll get in trouble if I do that. No, give us a try for a few days. And sure enough, they were doing better just eating the vegetables. Daniel's already showing and proving his trust in God right there. He was doing the right thing even at that point. Now, he had some friends, his roommates, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were just as good examples. I said there was four. There's the other three. They had an experience unlike anything we've ever known or seen or heard, of, heard tell of probably in our life. They were threatened with being thrown into a fiery furnace. And Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 tell us how much they trusted God. Listen to it. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We trust in God. That's between the lines, but that's what they're saying. We trust God completely. We don't have any doubt in God. Do I have to quit at 11? All right, one more thought, and this will take very little time. Go to the book of Habakkuk. And I say it with that emphasis because our friend and brother Turner used to emphasize Habakkuk just like he did Hosea. And everybody around us was saying Hosea and stuff like that. But he always tried to help us to learn. All right, everything's going uh, against Judah, the Chaldeans. The Babylonians are going to punish God's people, but then God's going to deliver them. That's the, and, and Habakkuk just doesn't understand quite why all this is happening. But listen to his trust in the last two verses of the book. No, not the last two, excuse me. Yeah, the last three. Look at verse, chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Verse 17, for though the fig tree shall not flourish, that's bad news, neither shall fruit be in the vines, that's bad, the labor of the olive shall fail, the field shall yield no food, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I trust in God. Listen to what he says. Yet I will rejoice in Jehovah. I will joy in the God of my salvation, Jehovah the Lord is my strength. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk upon my high places. You think Habakkuk trusted God? There's no doubt about it in spite of all that was going on. So trust God. When things don't go like you want and they, or they don't go like you think they should or things don't turn out quite like you prayed for, Keep in mind that when you pray, God can say yes, no, or maybe so, or later. Don't expect Him to say yes every time just like you ask it. That's not reasonable. But when things aren't going like you want or not like you prayed, don't abandon God. God hadn't moved. 
God's not going to. He's always going to be there. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. So when things are not going like you want, maybe you're having sickness. Maybe you've had some grief and sorrow in your life. Maybe you've had other kinds of trouble. Trust God. It's all going to come out, work in your favor if you'll love God and keep His commandments. Trust God regardless of what goes on. Let me conclude with this thought. Corey Ten Boom who was a survivor of the Holocaust, told a little brief story one time that just hits the nail. She said, when the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, and then she kind of went on about it and you can't see anything, and back then that, they didn't have the lights in there. And, but when the train goes through a tunnel, it gets dark. She said, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train. You sit back. You trust the engineer, and you come out on the other side. Boy, it's a powerful illustration, isn't it? I think she hit the nail on the head. Well, the lesson is yours, as Brother Rex used to say. I hope you've profited from it. If you need to obey the gospel today, this is opportune time. I'm sure these brethren here are ready with the baptistry filled, and if not, they can fill it, and they'll be glad to assist you in your obedience to God. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're willing to turn from sin and repentance and confess your faith, then be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of sins. This is a great opportunity to do it. If you've fallen away and you need to be restored, step out in the aisle, come forward, make your wishes known, whatever your need. If we can pray for you, if you've got a sin in your life, you need to make confession of sin, whatever your need, if we can assist you in your obedience, come right now while together we stand and sing. Have thine affections been nailed to the cross?